And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. Sorry, we're a little late. Danny and I were playing checkers. He won. <laughs> Tough to interrupt a game of checkers. Well, uh, looks like we have uh, and happy Friday, happy three day weekend for some people. Um, Dow futures up thirty eight. S and P futures sort of flat. Nasdaq down. You know. A little bit of ho-hum today. We got bank uh, earnings estimates. J.P. Morgan came out better than expected. Loan growth was solid. Uh, stocks trading down. Um, we'll see how that works out. Obviously, it has been the year of energy and tech stocks value rotation trade, although we did see tech pick up a little bit. Um, the year of fierce rotations, right, Danny? As we try to figure out all this mess. Yeah, we're seeing it day to day, in fact, mm -hmm. right now. I mean, it's been pretty interesting to watch as far as, you know, how these last two weeks have gone to start the year. Yeah. Um, you know, we suspected this. We, you know, yep. the, the big theme, I think, has been, hey, we're going to have to remain pretty nimble moving into this year as things change. You know, getting more information from the Fed, new Fed shares are coming out. Hey, looking like they're going to be a little bit more hawkish. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Philadelphia Fed chair who said, <laughs> look, I'm more inclined maybe to see actually instead of three rate hikes, potentially four. Um, I think that's probably weighing on the market, not to mention all the data that we've been receiving. And, uh, you know, this will be, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really important to, one, maintain a discipline, but two, be able to change with this changing theme that we're seeing here within the marketplace. Yeah, it's like who, what's longer? You ride a bull for eight seconds or you hold a stock for eight seconds? I was trying to figure that out. Um, you know, it's funny. The Fed's looking to be hawkish, yet they're still, they still haven't really pulled back on their emergency um, measures, even though you would think that they should. Now, Biden is to nominate Sarah Bloom Raskin as vice chair for supervision at the Fed. Um, you know, they're gonna, uh, Biden's going to have a couple of um, nominations. What I don't understand... Danny, is how the Fed is supposed to play a more active role in climate change uh, when they really have two mandates and they, they're not really uh, responsible for the types of jobs that are being created um, and some of the commentary that's being used the decision the Fed makes on our behalf should build toward a stronger economy with more jobs in innovative industries, not prop up and enrich dying ones. I have no freaking clue what that has to do with the Fed or its mandates. That is purely a fiscal and private 
more private sector response. So I don't even understand how the Fed is supposed to be responsible. And I heard Jay Powell mention a little bit about climate change in his language, but I still don't understand how that connects. I would love to see Michael write a piece on that because I don't get it. Yeah, we've heard Janet Yellen already go down that route, that road in the sense of talking about all the different industries that maybe are obsolete at this point that are still here and <laughs> provide lots of jobs for people. Can you imagine somebody watching that on television in one of those obsolete industries? Hey, 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 I'm here. Yeah. Hey, I'm still working. And we employ lots of people and provide lots of productivity and actually things that we need. But, you know, it is interesting to see this in, in the sense that um, – we are seeing more of that social push from government. You know, look at, you know, I would expect more of this from the Treasury. I mean, we've seen this before. I don't understand that from the fiscal side. I mean, yeah. depending on which party's in play, it's the tax just, subsidies, things yeah. of that nature. I when mean, it that's comes out common. of the Fed with their very narrow mandates that they push and pull, this is where I don't understand how they're supposed to foster those businesses. That's really consumer demand and how dollars are supposed to channel. If the Fed lowers rates and keeps liquidity out there, well, money is going to flow to its highest and best use depending on how it's channeled. And I don't understand how the Fed's supposed to do that, but it is what it is. I'm just here for the ride, man. I have, <laughs> I have no clue. Hey, speaking of rides, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, we are going to do our candid coffee from 8 to 9 a.m. This is our hour-long Zoom webinar. I will tell you, when we started this, Danny and I, uh, during the pandemic, it was supposed to be across the, the breakfast table conversation. It's still that. Um, and yet it's grown in popularity. I'm really happy about that. The, um, you know, this is going to be, I have, I have a few tips. I don't know, if Danny, if you're taking a look at it, but I have a few sort of money tips for the new year. And we also have quite a few questions that have come in. We still have room, obviously, because it's Zoom, and it's only an hour out of your day. Uh, I promise you'll get something from it. Um, you can register at realinvestmentadvice.com. Now, we're going to have a lot of other stuff coming up in February. We're going to have a Lunch and Learn Zoom. I think on Social Security is what we're working on. We will, we're trying to do another right lane class in person, obviously, with all the variants that are scaring everybody away. We don't know. But we're thinking that this new variant is probably going to pass pretty quickly. Maybe by the end of February, we'll have one close to the office here. We'll have a retirement right lane class. Now, that's our, you know, two hours plus day and I really giving you the soup to nuts on what you need to do to prepare for retirement. Or if you're in retirement, how do you make smart decisions? How do we bust the myths that you've been told all these years? Well, I think that's important to think about when we, we talk about the markets and all the things. We, we get a ton of questions each and every day. So all of these events are really tailored around those questions and what they you know, are. our clients and people we visit with, things that they feel like are, are very important and things that we see that maybe we're getting a little bit of misinformation on and to help point you in that right direction so you guys get a really good understanding of what, what things really are, from especially on the financial industry and the financial side of things, um, to help keep money in your pocket make good sound decisions. That's what this is all about. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com, sign up right there. Uh, still room for tomorrow. Love to have you guys. Obviously going to be a webinar. So, you know, you can do it from your your house. Richard will do it from his robe. We'll um, have my robe on. Yep. And be real you good. You have any new robes? I feel like we've got to change this up a little bit. Dude, no. No? I got to get some new robes, but there's a supply chain shortage. Ah, okay. So robes are not, they're on a cargo ship. 
All the silky robes are on a cargo ship. Everything's on a cargo ship. I couldn't even get broccoli the other day. <laughs> Empty shelves everywhere. <laughs> oh, man. This year's start. I posted a photo of a, of a cow whizzing on a calf just inadvertently. And it said, well, it looks like I'm 20. I'm sure it was 20, Well, not. Well, I don't think the cow meant to you know, do yeah, that on the cat. But it was like, this is what 22, 2022 is starting to uh, seem like. You feel like uh, maybe it's not going to get any better. Hey, we get back. We want to talk about investment advice. Is not financial planning. It could be part of it. But why is it always the whole thing, especially depending upon where you go for financial help? Uh, we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday, The Real Investment Show. We'll be right back. can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year join danny ratliff and richard rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on saturday january 15th you'll learn the landmines to avoid tax advantages we see and money tips you need to know in the new year Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Some interesting insights from personal capital. They're 2020, 2020, 2022. It's 2022. <laughs> Wealth and Wellness Index. And I just uh, wonder how you feel about some of these things, whether it's inflation, retirement, overall economic confidence. So here are some of the key findings. Americans' confidence in the economy was stuck at 40% in 2021. It is down from 69% when the pandemic began, uh, and some other studies, obviously, and surveys, it's even lower. Expense-to-income ration is a top concern for Americans. 37% saying they couldn't handle, listen to this, Danny, an unforeseen $100 expense without worry. 47% saying they couldn't handle a $500 expense without worry. We're down to 37% people cannot handle 100 bucks of expense without worry. Surveyed Americans now say they need to be making $122,000 a year to feel financially healthy. That's nearly double the national average. Uh, the inflationary environment obviously is having some major repercussions to people's psyches. Um, majority... Also, this great resignation, right? This great uh, resignation, a majority, 77% of those surveyed considered or, or are considering leaving their jobs to find higher pay. 
And paying off debt, here are some of the financial resolutions. And I'm not really a big fan of financial resolutions. I'm a big fan of ongoing, solid, fiscal, fiscally responsible habits. But if you have to look at it this way, paying off debt, 37%. Saving for retirement, 36%. Beat out losing weight as a New Year's goal. Anything surprising in this wellness index survey to you? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think that is, um, you know, kind of maybe surprising in the sense that, you know, financial fitness is becoming more important. And, you know, usually everybody looks to lose weight. Look at the gyms. Everything's packed. You know, regulars mm-hmm. are like, you know, they want to stay away right now. Everybody wants to stay away from the gyms because everything gets crazy. Now, give it another, what, what is it, about a week and a half? And you'll be, I think uh, most yeah. resolutions die. But I, I think this is important to think about, you know, because most people are setting resolutions. They are trying to improve themselves. We get into a new year. You kind yeah. of get to put the old behind you and, and start to build your uh, yourself anew to some extent. And I think that um, the problem that we typically see, Rich, is that we set these lofty goals. And we set this big goal of like, okay, we're going to save X amount. Or we're going to do um, you know, something that's typically painful. Very painful. Like, like even when you like diet, right? Correct. Or I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna lose fifty pounds. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna be on this all celery diet if I could find celery. That is, um, right? People go all to the extreme when okay. it's really, and we'll talk about this tomorrow. Yeah. Very small steps that lead to big financial uh, success. Um, I'm not, you know, Dave Ramsey was on Fox the other day. And again, I'm not a big fan of his investment advice, but I am a big fan of some of his financial advice. He just wrote a new book. I want to look. I want to pick it up just to see. But it's talking about how do you become a millionaire in a very boring way. Yeah. That it is boring. Uh, there's no, you know, I know Bitcoin and SPACs and NFTs and all this stuff is sexy. It also goes down real sexy too, like 30, 40 percent. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, it's the solid, boring, small steps, right? If I increase my I talk to a, a, a a young man yesterday, he's 25 years old. He goes, Rich, listen, you know, I can only do like 3% in my company retirement plan because I, I want to do this. He goes, I just don't feel like it's enough. I'm like, listen, it's one brick. It's the brick. It's that first brick you're laying. Right. Right? Don't feel bad about this 3%. Now, we'll try it in, in about six months. We're going to go to 4%. We're going to lay another brick. So he goes, really? It's that, that easy? I said, you have time on your side. But even people who don't. So it is, like you said, Danny, it's, it's, to, one, it's yeah. small steps, but everything that Wall Street tries to sell you is this sexy, do this now. This is what's going to make it. Um, you're going to be, re- you know, or if you can't retire unless you have 5 million bucks. Listen, as much as it tries to sell you things it also tries to discourage you and that's uh that's unfortunate well i think i think some of the big keys on this would be is that start small every every brick builds rome wasn't built in a day your financial empire won't be either and so just doing a little bit you know uh had an interesting conversation with the reporter just yesterday uh-huh. say they're looking at okay want to do an interview on how do subscriptions hurt people financially Oh, you mean like the auto? Oh, yeah. When you have all this I mean, you start looking charges. at these things, oh, and they gosh. say, you know, it's, it's 10 bucks here, 5 bucks, $25. And you forget because it's automatically paid. Death Sometimes by financial credit leakage. Card. Yeah. And, and so we were talking about this. And yeah. look, you know, most people's financial plans or their retirement dreams, they're not just one big mistake. Now, those do happen, right? 
like where you, somebody goes and puts everything in one area or does something that, you know, very speculative, that can, you know, you can see the house ruined. But most of it's death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. So it's all these little things. But it also works in reverse. We're so good about tell, telling people, hey, sell, pay yourself first. Set it up on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Do one little one little thing, just like you were talking about. That 3% in the 401k is going to add up. Next year, you increase it. You start building that savings, that emergency reserve. All of these things are going to help solidify that. But on the other end, it does the exact same thing. So we have to be extremely cautious in this, this environment that we're in where it's so easy to get on something. I made a mistake. I, I, I wanted to watch something a while back and um, had to have ESPN+. Plus. Right, so you sign up, so and, they, signed up. and they go, okay, you know, it's only like two ninety nine a month until... Correct. And then, and then I was like, forget. oh, I'm going to cancel it anyway. Right, right. And then I realized I got an email from like, what the heck? I didn't cancel that. Yep. So it, it happens. It's I mean, happened it happens to anybody. It happens to me. And then I got to go in there, right? Yep. That's why I am a big fan of... And, and that's why it's called, oh, I'm going to get my credit card statement. I don't get it in paper, right? It's just that it's available to you online. But I will go over it every month the credit card that I mostly use and pay off every month, right? Correct. I will go through it. Now, what's very cool about, say, I use Discover for cash back, but what's very cool is they'll say, listen, you've got this recurring charge, and it's sort of out of the ordinary. Like, what I'm noticing is credit card companies are now getting more proactive to ping you, and I went, oh, wait a minute, wow, i got to cancel that. So in some ways, that's a pretty cool feature, right? It's a push technology for right. you to go ahead and cut some of this. But yeah, listen, listen, they know what they're doing, right? When, when Amazon has you sign up for an ongoing program, you know, Amazon Music or Apple Music or, I mean, this ongoing revenue stream. Oh, it's genius. I mean, they create their own annuity. But, you know, like it's, we tell people often, look, you're, over time, you're not going to miss this. Right, you're you're, you're going to be okay. You're going to you're going to figure this out. I know it's going to hurt that first time you do it, but it becomes pretty normal. Well, guess what? That happens on the other end as well. So you know what I'm doing now? What do you want in do? my little budget book? Yeah, like I just signed up for Paramount Plus okay. because I love 1883. If anybody hasn't watched it, Brent and I have been onto it. You would like it, Danny. I mean, when you have a free minute to breathe. Yeah. Um, but it's like 4.99 a month for X amount of months, and then it goes up. But I wrote in my book, this is the date that I subscribe to Paramount Plus. So once 1883 is over, or I don't want anything, I know I'm going to go in and cancel it. Well, right? but so I'm trying to actually put pen to paper now yeah. with all of these auto subscriptions. But I think so that's I know. good. But take one step further. Go put it in your phone. Go put it on the calendar. Right. Put it on Outlook to give you a reminder. Okay, this is the date I have to cancel this by. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, for me, it's the writing and the book works better than the phone, but a lot of people, but that is a good way to today to put in a note, right? And then put an ongoing, like every six months or so to review that charge. I like that idea a lot. Well, and the problem with the book, and I like the books as well. I'm I'm the same way. I like to write, keep an old school calendar that way, uh, but still keep one electronically, maybe a little redundant. But uh, for some reason, from a task perspective, I feel a lot better when I can check things off. Yeah, um, I understand. But the issue is, do you, how often do you go back and review that? If you're six pages further in the in your book, you may not go back and see that. That darn, so I think book, use that darn book goes at me everywhere. Oh, I know. But I understand what you mean. I, you ever want to mess with Rich? And take I, his book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, Take my little red book. You can have the little black book. I don't need that one anymore. Friend's like, hmm. No, please. Um, so a couple of things. When we do retirement right lane class... We talk about one point when it comes to financial plans. 
in general, for most brokerage firms, they are what we call loss leaders. It's, it's, it's a guise. It's a, it's a mask to say that we are financial planners and we've heard that that's good for you, so we're going to do it. And ultimately, it's to sell something to you. But it's under this wrapping, as opposed to the plan being the product and the plan being the most important thing, the product or the end result is sometimes more important. This gives a very major difference between investment advice and financial planning. There's a lot of word soup that goes onto business cards in financial in the financial industry. I'm a financial consultant. Oh, well, right away you're thinking, well, it could be portfolio-based or inv investment-based, but that's such a limiting issue. Well, right? Wait a second. All you sell is annuities <laughs> or, you know, that, that's- Those are financial, Danny. Well, that, that's But that right. is not financial advice. That is not holistic planning or guidance on all aspects of your financial life. Now, you might feel okay to call somebody that is working in that arena, but I think there are a lot of financial professionals that present themselves as holistic advice givers, and it's ultimately to sell a product. Yeah. Listen, we've been there. We've been in the brokerage industry. We know how it works. Yep. I mean, we tried to do it. I know you and I really tried to do it in a fiduciary manner, which was didn't really, it was sort of like oil and water on the brokerage industry because they don't really like the fiduciary side very much unless you're cordoned off into it. Correct. But uh, the important thing here to remember is that you're working with an institution. And so how's that institution set up? Who is, who is it designed to help? Are they a true fiduciary? Or are they there for a product and for the organization? Yeah, we'll get back. Key. We're going to continue to talk about this and have some ideas for you here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And we're back. You know, there's really no regulation or any kind of um, rules or guidebooks or whatever on this term investment advisor versus financial planner. I mean, anybody can really hang out that shingle. So you, unfortunately, you have to do your own homework. And I think some of those times you do it, like, like Danny said, obviously, if, if the uh, firm that you're working with or the individual is fiduciary, that can give you some idea that they do undertake 
investment, uh, full holistic financial planning advice. Um, you got to ask the right questions. You got to be a responsible consumer. We have a financial survival guide, for example, that will get whoever you're working with squirming or interviewing squirming with some of the questions, um, whether it's the types of books they read, what kind of continuing education do they undertake? Uh, you know, really very important stuff that help you, helps you to understand if you, that this person is there for holistic financial advice. Listen, there's nothing wrong with getting invest, investment advice. If you know you need life insurance or you know you need something, you go to the people that you feel are well-equipped. I just don't know how you purchase some of these things without really doing some form of financial planning to understand how much I need. Right, Danny? I mean, how would I know how much life insurance or long-term care insurance or disability income insurance I need? I just can't go buy this. I, I need to know, well, I mean, I can over-insure myself. I can pay more in premiums. That, you know, again, everybody has this know your client. I need to know your tax, mm -hmm. you know, your tax situation. I need to know how much risk you're willing to take and all that. But that's still not giving me enough information. Well, no, Danny, you had three kids, you need like, $7 million in life insurance. Well, how'd you get that number? Do you didn't even ask me if I have life insurance at work, uh, how much money I have saved, you know, nothing like this. Yeah, I, I just don't know how you do it. Well, there's been so many that these, these rules of thumb has been the industry norm for so long, and it's kind of been where everything's been segmented. And so, oh, you need insurance? Well, you go over here, you take it off the shelf, and here's what you get, Rich. And, oh, Danny, you need this, here's what, you know, that's the problem with, I think, some of the way that these things are set up. But then, not only that, you may have – what makes it more difficult is that many times these these people are really beholden to the company and not to you. And so they have sales goals, things that they must do. And look, nothing right. wrong with that, right? Everybody needs no. to make a living, uh -uh. And, and that's okay. But just to be aware and understand, how do you get to this number? And I think that's an important question for anybody to ask, especially, especially with insurance, um, but really with any of these things. Why did you choose this type of – uh, allocation or why did you choose these investments you know we can go on down the line here but at the end of the day we have to be very cautious because whose interest is at heart here and how are these people paid i think is it is really important so like we've we've looked to diversify amongst our business yeah but trying to keep everything always independent meaning that we don't have ties to a mutual fund a money manager it's strictly to our clients and we are paid that way right it's very intentional so that if we make a trade, it is with the best interest of heart of our clients. It's going to be, hey, it's because it's going to protect or it's going to grow funds. That's it. We're not compensated for trading. Now, I do know salespeople who do have what I call a fiduciary heart. They yep, do approach right. their business, and they've been in business a long time, and it's just their, it's just their ethics, right? They're going to do more due diligence to offer you insurance or an annuity. Um, there are many of those people out there. They are professionals, so we're not we're not downplaying no, not how good not those people could be. Um, there, we know a lot of them uh, that are very good at what they do, whether it's you know positioning reverse mortgages or whatever it is. Um, they are pros, and they want to do the right thing for you, and that's just because that's their code, and that's great. Just like any other business. But you need to know the difference when you sit with someone and they say they're a financial planner. What exactly does that mean? What's the scope of the services they offer? And they go, well, well we'll help you make, you know, we'll help you get your portfolio in order. 
Oh, okay. That's one slice of the pie. That is not the full pie. Everybody loves that part of the pie, though, Danny, right? Because even, even Lance, right? Oh, planning. It's so boring. But nothing else, you know, it's like the engine. Like everybody wants to talk about one part of the engine, and that's the portfolio because that's the fun stuff. I tell people all the time, listen, we get down to the portfolio stuff and the financial, that kind of advice. That's fun for me. That's the fun stuff. But before we get there, I'm working with a young woman right now who needed to get a tax person, organize her business structure. She hadn't met with a tax accountant. She hadn't paid taxes in a couple of years. And she's asking me about crypto. And I'm like, listen, we're not, we're so far from this discussion about investments or so-called investments. We got to get all this other stuff in order, including your emergency reserve, right? Your financial vulnerability cushion. We got, well, it's, that's, that's a, the hard part. It's though. 10 weeks later, and she came to me with all the checklists before we got to the investments, right? We ate all the vegetables and everything before we get dessert. But that's the hard part, right? That's the most important part, not whether I should own stock A or stock B. Yeah. I'm not saying it isn't important, but listen, I'm not putting that cart before the horse. It just doesn't work. Well, but you see this often where somebody who they finally come in, they come into money, they make money, they get a bonus, they don't have the rest of the the house in order, but they'll want to do that. Hey, I'm going to go invest in crypto. I'm going to go invest in this stock, but that's not the fun part. It's not. So say you get a bonus, say you get a $10,000 bonus or a $5,000 bonus. If you have a financial plan and you know your cash flow, you're very intimate with your household cash flow, you know how that money should be guided. It's most likely not going to be for immediate gratification. It's going to be for something delayed, something that you need, a goal that you need to complete. Now, that doesn't mean you can't take a couple of hundred bucks, go out for dinner, have fun with some of it. It's not all eat your vegetables. But if I don't have a strategy, then I might, gosh knows what I would spend that $5,000 on. Right, Danny? That's right. Because it could be all immediate. We just, we just read that survey from Personal Capital about how people can't raise $100 in case of emergency. We also know, like the bank rate study, right, only 39% of Americans say they could cover an unexpected expense of $1,000. Now what we have going on is the personal savings rate. That was 13.1% in 2020 because nobody was doing anything. That's retreated to 6.9% as of September 2021. Then now we have real wages too for inflation have declined by a little over 1%. So the, the overall state of Americans is cash poor. And I don't care how young you are, how old you are. A plan, and a financial plan that's comprehensive and also understanding your cash flow statement, not your net worth, but your cash flow, where every dollar flows in your household, is going to help you make better decisions going forward. I mean, I cannot believe that. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still like reeling about the 100 bucks. I mean, that's... You could spend a hundred dollars today, and just on. I mean, yeah, take a guess. Well, and, and really, that's downright. <laughs> that's sad. true. I have seen some people say, "Here's, here's." You'll see on Facebook or pic, people taking pictures of the uh, ninety-five bucks to fill my gas tank. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but but it is sad. I mean, it shows the state of the economy that maybe we're not seeing when you look, you turn on the, the news. We keep hearing about how everybody's so much better off after the the pandemic, but is that true? 
I mean, we saw the all this uh, stimulus, all the credit, child tax credit checks, all these things that are going away. Was that money actually saved or was it spent on on items, on things? Well, there was a very good article. I saved it in the Wall Street Journal. There were some families. Actually, it made me feel good. There were some families that did the right thing with this money coming in from the earned income tax credit mm-hmm. and some of the money. In other words, they paid down debt. They were able to fund a Roth. They, they, in other words, they actually used the money to bolster their household. So this Wall Street Journal article is quite long, by the way, went through several families that actually spent the money in a very, very um, conscientious and fiscally responsible way. So that sort of made me feel good. But, to, but you're right. But the whole gist of the article, too, Danny, was now this is gone. So now what? Now what? Well, that's been our concerns about the economy in general. Do we still see that spending? Is that still going to be that inflationary push without those funds being there? Um, But take it back now. Are households actually that much better off? And there's going to be those stories of people doing good. Look, there's going to be people who do bad with it, right? And I think we're probably somewhere in the middle. But that survey would suggest that it's not looking, looking too bright. No, and that's where you're going to have to be concerned about interest rates going higher. You're going and and what wages, real wages going down. So inflation sticking around longer. We call it permatory. It's not tra- it's not transitory. It's not permanent. There's something in between there that's sort of vicious. Uh, one of the issues I always worry about here is some form of stagflation light that I wrote about uh, last year. Um, where we do get sluggish growth because of what you're mentioning, Danny, but inflation stays sustainably higher. And then you don't know how quick the Fed's going to move because the Fed's connected to the market and any real disruption in the market. I mean, I don't want to be in the Fed shoes, especially now I have to worry about climate change. I don't no, even know how heck to, no. We're not going back into that circle because I can't get off that road in my head. I don't have no idea what they're supposed to do about that. We get back. Hey, you want double-digit returns? This is going to sound weird. Hold cash. We'll be right back to discuss. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year join danny ratliff and richard rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on saturday january 15th you'll learn the landmines to avoid tax advantages we see and money tips you need to know in the new year Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. (laughs) 
And we're back. Um, again, tomorrow, Candid Coffee, Smart Money Tips for 2022. Hey, uh, we hope you come on just to share some of your own. You said earlier in the show, Danny, you know, maybe we help. Oh, I know we help clients, and I hope we help radio people that listen to us and all the writings we do. But, boy, we do learn a lot from our clients and people on the other side of the radio and YouTube, you know, everybody's going through yep. these experiences and they mean a lot to us because that also helps us with material. It helps us to understand what's going on in your household. And candid coffee is definitely a, have gotten us closer to that as well. Correct. So that's uh, we hope you can join us tomorrow from eight to 9 AM sign up at realinvestmentadvice.com. Send in a question, right? It's an hour long, but I know we'll have questions and other things. I have a few tips We'll get through those in about 15 minutes. The rest of the time is really, it's your it's all about you, your questions. We want to answer them for you. So, um, you know, when people hold cash, it's a conscious trade-off, right? You have cash. They're so diverse as far as the reasons you have to hold it. Um, for some, it's to smooth out portfolio volatility, dry powder, right? I'll have future opportunities I want to make. Uh, to, to take. I have an example of a friend of mine who has been keeping cash because he does want to buy crypto and he's been waiting for a correction. You know, and everybody's asked me if it's the right time to buy and go, your guess is as good as mine. I have no way to analyze it. You know, if good luck, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, but Wall Street always wants to take your cash, right? If you think about maintaining a cash position, it is the ultimate protection against unforeseen events. And my gosh, we've had quite a few of those over the last decade. Um, but Wall Street wants to grab every dollar we possess and, and they, want, they employ all these marketing departments to pick your pockets. Even better, they're persuasive enough for us to pick our own pockets, right? Because they have these scary stories, cash versus the inflation monster, especially today. And yes, if you're gonna sit in cash for 20 years, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely going to succumb to the inflation beast. But what arena are you fighting these cash battles? Where do you need cash to flow to? Um, cash can rise victorious for you. So remember, I think people put up, you know, we call it mental accounting, Danny, right? We have people that say, I've got this account for this, this account for that. But keep in mind, cash flows through every financial category. I have someone I talked to, I mean, just six months ago, he says, you know, I have $10,000 in credit card debt. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, 16, 17% in credit card debt. And I'm like, he, there's no way he's got a cash reserve, right? Because that's why he's doing it. He goes, yeah, and I got 30,000 in cash I got to do something with. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, no, that's my emergency reserve. I said, listen, <laughs> take 10,000 and pay off the credit cards. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, all right, it's a guaranteed 17% return. Now, it's rudimentary when you think about it, but our minds compartmentalize these things and create these walls in our head where we can't cross these boundaries. And it's, it, it's very simple when you think about because doing that because cash is such an emotional snuggie. I don't want to part with it even though I'm paying more in interest on this side. Correct. Yeah, and that, that's a difficult thing, I think, for most people to kind of overcome that hurdle. That, that is one. And, you know, the other aspect of this is that many people, once they put cash, you know, in that savings account, they like to see it there. 
they have a very they difficult do. time yes. moving back into markets, moving into something that's going to have some type of interest or something that's going to pay you. And, and so I think that, you know, what everyone should do is understand your finances. And I'm not going to go as far as saying create a budget because I know most people won't do it. They don't want to do it. I mean, that's the number one thing. We have we do a financial plan. If somebody gets hung up on paperwork, they're like, I'm not doing a budget. I don't want to deal with that. But <laughs> I know it really is like eat your broccoli. If you is. can find it. You can find kale though. But four letter yeah. words. So you know <laughs> what what I think that most people need to understand is that cash serves that purpose for a handful of reasons. And right. so one can be, you know, number one, you need the emergency emergency reserve. Number two, you need a financial vulnerability cushion that just goes a little bit above and beyond. And then we want to have cash for those short-term needs. So if you have something you're looking to purchase within the next year or two, or you know you have a big expense coming up, cash would be great for for that purpose. Because we don't want to invest money. And the one thing I always, you know, when we were having these discussions is, okay, great. So you have $100,000 that's earmarked for XYZ. Mm -hmm. If it goes up 10%, that's awesome, right? But what if it goes down 10%? How do you feel about that? Is that going to be... Is that detrimental? Well, yeah, because now I've got to pull money from somewhere else. You may have to sell it with something, another asset that's going up and down. It can be problematic. So what I always encourage people to do is write it down. Write down your goals, what the objective is for all of this cash. Now, anything above and beyond, we could say, hey, I want to keep cash because I believe the market's going to crash. Or I'm looking for a rental property or you know whatever it may mm-hmm. be. I'm starting a business. Yep. Great. There's going to be times that you you will likely have a lot more in cash than other times because because you're going to take advantage. And the beautiful thing about that cash is that it's going to give you opportunity, not only the security, but I think people get too hung up on the security when it comes to cash, then actually using it as a tool. Right. Using it almost in that way. I think it also goes to the fact that everybody's got a definition for short-term, long-term. Correct. Like you and I, right away, if I say that's you, what goes on in your mind and with my mind are probably similar. But someone else might have a totally different definition because we don't want to put money into the market if you're telling me you need it. Like people go, well, you know, it's long term. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that's why I want to put it into my investments. I'm like, well, what does long term mean? Oh, three months. I'm like, no, no. Yeah, that's not long. That's not going to work. Well, even a year is not long. No, exactly. But we have to coordinate the definitions of what that means. You know, Lance uh, has great perspectives and charts on cash, but he talks about this, that having cash as an asset class, yes, it can lose purchasing power due to inflation, but to invest at lower valuations, it produced substantial outperformance over waiting for previously destroyed investment capital to recover. Right? Now, if someone's burying cash in their backyard or putting in their walls, why can't I ever find one of those homes when they're remodeling and they take the wall down, it's full of cash? I think you got to live in, like, Chicago. Or just the summit. <laughs> like, uh, what, with a church? Yeah. <laughs> Lakewood? Yeah. I wonder what ever happened to that story. I don't know. It disappeared. It, I never heard anything like more cash. about it. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, how bizarre is Mrs. that? Mrs. Olstein's got a new car. No. Uh, but having cash allows you to pounce on opportunities, but you got to release it, right? You got to know, are you smart and patient enough? I worked with one client through the financial crisis, and he had, uh, he's long gone from this earth. He was a great guy. He had $500,000 sitting in cash. And he goes, Rich, what should I do with it? 
I said, uh, why don't you get on a plane to Florida right now? Because he loves Florida. He go and look at Naples and look at Fort Myers because I was looking at properties and how, you know, distressed and beautiful properties off the water. I said, why don't you go ahead and just, you always wanted to own real estate. You have enough in markets and all that, but you always wanted to do this. Well, he did. And he had that cash of such leverage. He was able to purchase properties for 50, 60 cents on the dollar because he held this cash for like seven years, waited for this opportunity. So those houses, those townhomes are providing robust in rental income for his kids. And they're, they have appreciated tremendously since 2010. Yeah. But you have to have the discipline. That's a tough part. I mean, you think know, about this. Seven years is a real long time. At some point, you can get very comfortable with that. Uh, or just say, you know what? I can't keep waiting. Bit, right? yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just put the money in and go ahead and spend it. Yep. And, and that's the most difficult part about cash is it actually waiting for that opportunity. Look, there will be another opportunity. It's like I, a lot of clients want to buy real estate right now. And Everything it cycles. is so difficult. Because yes. not, not to mention that the, the market's saturated with people who are doing this, who want to buy homes, flip them, or turn them into rental properties. So you get, I mean, if you own a home, you're probably getting text messages, phone calls on a daily basis by yep. somebody wanting to buy it. Yes. Now, not for a good price, mind you, but they're looking for, for an opportunity. I have to tell you, I've been getting some really good prices that I almost have to tell someone, are you nuts? But I don't want to go anywhere right now because I agree with you. There are cycles to things. Mm -hmm. And if I'm patient enough to wait because I would like to move, if I'm patient enough, even if it's two years, I'm patient. Like I don't expect a financial – I don't expect a crash in real estate because I don't think the mortgage – the origin of the mortgages are not what they were. But you are going to see a shift. Yeah. It happens all the time. The one cool thing about the market is you always get another chance, but do you have the guts when those opportunities arise to take it? Well, because think about this. When those opportunities do come, it's not going to be because everything's hunky-dory. That's right. <laughs> you know, That's right. There's going, to be, there's going to be some trouble in the streets. That, and that's, that's when you should issue. be buying, right? Correct. But and, that's the most difficult time to buy. Right, and that cash almost turns into cement in your head. It's yeah. not fungible. It's not, it's like I got it in a vault. So how am I going to, I even telling this gentleman who was waiting for seven years, he goes, oh man, I don't know. That's, ooh, that's risky. I said, you've been waiting all this time to, to find the right real estate. And now you've got this, yeah, could it go down more? But you're paying cash. You have leverage. Right. You have leverage. So, Mark Cuban says that negotiating with cash is a far better way to get a return on your investment. When you have cash, you have leverage. Especially when, like you said, Danny, when there's blood in the streets and you're going to come in to buy. It just takes a lot. So cash can give you double-digit returns if you have the patience and the guts to release it. That's all we got for today. Hope you have a great weekend. Join us tomorrow for Canda Coffee. Lance, back on Monday, he did not bother us today on YouTube. Where are you, Lance? Hope you all have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. Thanks for being with us.